0: Hi, I'm Gareth Steed, and welcome to the Family of Virtues Podcast.
1: You are listening to the Family of Virtues Podcast. Virtues are the essence of who we are. They are described in the world's sacred traditions as the qualities of the divine and the attributes of the human spirit. They are the content of our character and the basis of genuine happiness. Here, we aim to share inspirational thoughts and discussions related to the role of a parent as an educator and guide, so we can support children to grow through the many challenges of life and to help them turn these challenges into moral victories. Through conversations with parents and teachers, we will learn from their lessons and share how we, as parents, can plant and nurture the seed that will make a lasting impact towards our child's purpose. Thank you everyone for joining us today on the Family of Virtues podcast. I would like to honor you for your commitment towards your families and more specifically, your children. In joining these discussions, we are being purposeful, not just of our role as a parent, but also to discover what it means to be human and to experience this joy and this peacefulness with our children. We understand the stresses that we face as adults, especially during this pandemic. A lot of us have underestimated the effect of it when it was all unfolding. But it has become more apparent now that even if it isn't the pandemic itself, the effect on our work has had an impact on our home life. Now, what is happening, though, is that young children, young ears, are listening to a lot of conversations that they otherwise would not have had access to. At least we hope not. And as more people are at home, concerned about their own stresses, it starts impacting on others as we encroach on spaces that were not ours for those hours of the day. During this time, there is a tendency for us, as a result of feeling hassled, not being the best version of ourselves, either with our loved ones or our children. And the longer this goes on, we need to ask ourselves as to how we must respond to these challenges the problems our kids are going through, or the challenges we face as our children demand for our time and attention in so many different ways. It is my pleasure today to introduce my guest, Gareth Steed. As well as working at Jakarta Nanyang School, leading the counseling department, Gareth is the director of the Oxford Wellbeing and Behavior Clinic, where he and his counselors work with parents, teachers, and schools to develop strategies and practical help in dealing with children and young adults who have learning and behavioral problems. Gareth moved from Oxford to Asia eight years ago and has certificates in psychology from Xinhua University in Beijing and counseling from Seoul National University in South Korea. I personally know Gareth from his work at our workshops and conferences that have been organized in the Jakarta-Indonesia circuit, and he's been so passionate and purposeful about the work that he's done along these lines, and I'm so honored to have you as our guest today. Gareth, welcome.
0: Thank you very much. It's, it's an honor to be here and uh, to be part of, part of the podcast and to help parents and, and people out there to become better parents, hopefully, and teachers and everything else.
1: Thank you, Gareth. And before I start, I'd like to do a Virtues pick. And I would just like to remind everybody that these cards are available from the Virtues Project website on VirtuesProject.com or through an app called Virtues Matter. And the card that we're picking today is Caring. Caring is giving tender attention to the people and things that matter to us. It is being a compassionate witness, listening to another wholeheartedly and without judgment, We show that we care with thoughtful acts and kind words. When we do a careful job, we give it our best effort. We are not indifferent to things that matter. We care deeply about the principles that we believe in. Caring is a sign of love. When we care for others, we notice how they feel and what they need. When we care for ourselves, we have more to give others. Caring is a gift from the heart. Whenever I read these words, Gareth, it certainly makes me reflect. What are your thoughts on these words?
0: Yeah, I mean we are we are a social species. We we need company and we need interaction with others. Uh we're most comfortable, therefore, with people who care for us and we care for them. Children especially need to know that that they are cared for and that they're protected. And the experience uh of having that care. That that feeling of care during the developmental years really influences how they're going to grow up, how they become, uh, what they become when when they're adults. So th- this caring attitude is is really important.
1: Yeah, and care can be shown in many different ways as well, Gareth. Most definitely. I mean, uh,
0: care for family and for loved ones is is uh, one of the natural ones that we think of, but but care for strangers, care for people that we don't know. Uh, is is equally important uh, and care for not only people but for the communities that we live in, care for the environment, etc.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you've uh, hit the nail on the head there. You know, when we speak about care, it's such a broad word, but we can look at care, we can look at the environment, we can look at how we're giving service to our community. But we know that charity starts at home. It's a very common phrase, isn't it? <laughs> and I don't think we can doubt that. As parents, you know, we all care for our children, and I'm sure parents mean well, and we act with the best of intentions. However, sometimes our actions may not fully represent these intentions. There's a disconnect between what we want to get out of our child and how or or the medium or the way in which we're trying to get it out of our child, and we hassle over minor issues. And it's the little things. We just can't seem to understand how many times we need to remind them about the little Mm -hmm, things. mm. How many times we've got to tell our children, how many times have I asked you to put that stuff away? Why can't you be more responsible? Or how many times, especially during this time, the amount of times parents are obsessing about, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And the way in which we're going about getting children to wash their hands as well. We become very hassled. Mm -hmm. And then we end up saying very unfortunate things. So how do you think parents can and should feel more at peace about the situation that we're facing around our house right now?
0: I, uh, you're, you're totally right. And, I mean, I, my own experience here is, is my daughter is five years old and uh, she constantly leaves the door open. Everywhere she goes, she never closes the door. Um, and it, it gets frustrating because you have mosquitoes and the AC and everything else. Uh, the, the key to, to this is patience and understanding understand that the child is not being naughty or obstinate. She's simply being a child. Uh, Mm. At the moment, these processes of, of learning are still in the balance. They're still growing, but behavior does change over time, but it does take time. And the right approach from parents will smooth that transition in. So, the, the key is patience and the key is understanding. And, and as we go through this podcast, I'll talk more about how we can do that.
1: And I like what you said, that they're just being children. And, you know, children like to explore things. They like to um, do things that sometimes, you know, it doesn't make sense to us. And we think that they're intentionally doing this. But if, for example, a yeah. child is notoriously... Leaving the door open, always not being able to wash their hands—is um, it intentional? No, not at
0: all. It, it's just that there are other things, more important things, going through their head. The world, to, to especially a small child, a child even under the age of kind of seven years old, is a an exciting, wonderful experience. Everything is new. Everything is bright and colorful and to be explored. And those things are more important to a child in its mind than the mundane of closing a door. And we have to try and remember that that it's not that they, they don't want to close the door. It's just there are more important things going through their minds at that time for them. And that door gets pushed to the back somewhere, no matter how many times you tell them
1: yeah and I love that, that there are more important things than closing the door mm. um because what we think is important to us is certainly not important to them right and And this happens at meal times as well i 've seen a lot. I mean with my own son, he certainly knows how to grab his spoon, he certainly knows how to eat um, <laughs> but there are ta- <laughs> there are times where his imagination just takes him to a completely different planet. And that, to him, is, is, is more powerful than what's going on on the table. Most definitely. And I mean, that's brain development.
0: Yeah. That's really important. It is their brain developing all of these skills that they're going to need later on, like creativity.
1: And instead of actually becoming hassled or saying some unfortunate things, I guess we may be able to speak about this later as well, that how do we actually guide them or, or encourage them to sort of come back to Earth? Exactly.
0: How- yeah, this is where the patience comes in um, because we have to be patient child behaviour does not change overnight but the the wrong emphasis on child behaviour can have a very long and damaging history into their future.
1: If we don't realise and if we don't deal with this with patience then the way we react to the, to our children, if we seem hassled or we are overly critical that it will definitely impact how they perceive themselves in the future. Yep,
0: most definitely. And it's been, it's been proven that negative talk, bad reactions to situations do have a profound effect on the mental health of children as they grow up.
1: Gareth, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with uh, parents who were reading, you know, multiple books on parenting and mm-hmm. listening to podcasts. And a lot of parents may argue, we turned out okay. Um, how much <laughs> credibility can we give this phrase, we turned out okay? Did we really? What's wrong with us? <laughs> uh, we we all have
0: issues uh, no no person is perfect you know I mean in even even the, the the most well-meaning person suffers and and has their own problems what is important is the skills we we develop as we grow up to to actually deal with those problems you know I I'm I've I've a history I I suffered uh with depression when I was in my my 30s a uh, very right. bad depression. Um, and that was uh, a result of childhood trauma, things that happened mm. to me, not from my parents, but but I was bullied as a child. And, and that mounted up over the years and, and created depression later on. It wasn't until I confronted mm. those issues and used the skills that my parents, luckily, had given me over the years through my stability in the family life that, that I managed to mm. overcome these problems.
1: Thank you for sharing that with us. It is definitely a tough time when when children have to go through situations like that. But what you said, uh, which was really important, was the balance. You know, the fact that you had a stable home life and your parents were able to sort of speak to you and motivate you and give you those skills. That somehow when you were going through these issues, you were able to sort of pull from that.
0: Exactly. And, and ironically, I've just, I've just spent the week doing uh, classroom management training with some teachers. And, and one of the things that cropped up in classroom management, which is so, so important to parenting as well, is the term firm, but fair and friendly. You have yeah. to be firm, but you have to be kind at the same time. And you're right. And that word you used, balance, is, is so important. You need to find mm. the right balance between being firm with the child, setting the boundaries, making sure that the child understands what social, um, social regulations, social realities they have to live by, the rules of the house, the rules of the parents, etc., while at the same time creating a loving and nurturing environment for them to grow.
1: Yeah, firm but kind and you know when people hear about these things on on virtues and they hear oh we've got to acknowledge our children for being patient for being enthusiastic for being creative um we don't have all these words in our arsenal <laughs> um it's very difficult to 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 give to give these affirmations mm. but what i also tell them that it's not just for the purpose of acknowledgement it's also for the purpose of providing guidance and the tone of voice also matters in the way we speak to them. Now, instead of constantly saying, don't do this or don't do that, you can also say with a firm tone of voice, I need you to be considerate, please, or I need you to be respectful of the current situation. You need to understand. And, and that firmness comes in where we're not demoralizing the child or talking down to the child, but the child is understanding that we're serious about it. And this is the expected behavior that we require precisely
0: yeah and that's exactly it it is offering the explanation of why you need them to behave this way
1: yeah so not only telling them what the expected behavior is but also giving them the reason as to why precisely and that would mean it's similar when we're actually acknowledging them for something we would have to give them the evidence precisely and
0: it, it it comes down to them being able and you being able to describe your emotions and it comes down to that. If we are able as humans to describe our emotions to people in a calm and controlled manner, we become very rounded individuals. We, mm. We're able to deal with most situations. And if you explain to a child and you give that child uh, license to explain their emotions to you, even when they struggle to, to kind of put names to it, they will develop into, into much more rounded children.
1: And what sort of environment, if you like, allows that child to be able to express emotions to a parent? Do you feel like as if it's not uh, that easy for a child to talk to a parent the older they get?
0: Um, It depends on their initial upbringing. I I mean, if a child is brought up through, through its toddler years into its preschool, into its primary school years, as a child that's in a in a family that is able to freely express emotions without fear of of any repercussion to it then they will grow into teenagers who feel the same and these are often then teenagers that cope with the teenage years a lot better than children who have have and we'll talk more about this later on that have that have been kind of picked on or shamed or Made to feel embarrassed, told off mm. publicly, etc. And these are the ones that then have their difficulties during their teenage years because when they hit teenagers, this is the time that they really need to be able to speak to their parents or to people to express how they're feeling because their emotions are going all over the place.
1: Yeah. And if they're not going to get that sanctity or the safe space, if you like, at home from their parents, mm. then they're obviously going to find it somewhere else.
0: And that's the worrying thing. Yes.
1: Yeah. I don't know, Gareth. I've read this several times. The average child receives 432 negative comments per day versus 32 positive ones. And whether that's true or not, I think the thought definitely is that there are more negative comments to positive ones. And we need to avoid criticism and disapproval. We need to respond to our children in a way that helps them feel encouraged and I read this the other day that those who need the most love ask for it in the most unloving ways which really really made me think about students in the classroom that are misbehaving kids at home that are misbehaving that tip of the iceberg kind of scenario they're asking for love in the most unloving ways yeah. and maybe we just don't know it
0: Exactly. And then we've got two issues here. The first of all is, is the first one, the negative comments. And I, I'm not sure about the statistics on this either, but a child will definitely hear more negatives than positive comments in a day. Uh, and there is a way of changing this. We simply need to rephrase how we speak to our children. We need to ensure that, that we're giving as parents more positives than negatives. I, I read in, in one of the Psychology of Children books that the way we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. Mm. And now, if you imagine that you are constantly giving negatives to a child, you're a naughty child, don't do this, don't do that. Is that the way to behave? Close that door, behave, eat your dinner. That becomes their inner voice and their inner voice is therefore negative. If, mm. however, we, we change the way that we see these things, so rather than saying, I told you to shut that door a hundred times and you still leave it open, instead we say, look, I know you're really excited about telling mummy about the flowers, but what do we do when we leave a room? And mm. go, oh, I close the door. Good girl. That then becomes mm. a much more positive inner voice for them. Um, mm. So we, we need to always look for ways to change how we deliver instructions to children how we deliver even even telling a child off to a certain degree can be delivered in a much more positive way going back to that firm but kind that we were speaking about before if you think that a child wants attention from parents no matter what a child is always always seeking attention from a parent now if the parents are very, very busy, they're very, very busy parents, they've got jobs and they're running the house. And no matter how often that child tries to be good and do the right thing, it doesn't get the attention from those parents.
1: Right. But then it
0: notices that if it misbehaves, the parent turns their attention towards the child. It's negative attention, but it's still attention. Right. Now, they will start to develop this thing, well, I can't get attention through being good, but I can get attention through being naughty. And therefore, they will focus their attention on the negative actions rather than the positive actions. And that then later in life becomes behavioral problems. And what we do in in counseling and in, in the clinic is that in severe cases of these behavioral issues, we actually encourage parents to completely ignore negative behavior altogether the child throws oh, wow. attention the child smashes something you ignore it but mm. when they act positively you lavish a praise on that positive action that then starts to slowly turn that focus away from i perform a negative action i get attention to i perform a positive action i get attention And that's how we can reduce this negative behavior over time.
1: It's easy for us to sort of be critical of parents sometimes, but I just wanted to sort of take a few steps back and I wonder, are parents who are more critical of their children or always focusing on the negatives of their children or are easily hassled by their children, a lot of this is—is is a lot of this attributed to the way they have been treated when they have grown up?
0: It's—it's
1: it's the good old nature
0: versus nurture argument. But but we, we are definitely products of our upbringing. It's how we react to the upbringing that, that dictates how we develop into adulthood. We find that there there are, are children who have the most wonderful upbringing that that turn into reasonably emotionally poor adults. And children mm. that that have had very rough upbringings can become very, very kind and and wonderful adults. It it depends on uh, what you're made of. Your genetics it comes into it a lot, but upbringing definitely plays a part. Um, but it right. it is this nature versus nurture, and there's this constant argument about psychologists um, whether it is nature or whether it is nurture.
1: Right. So let's, let's touch on that for a bit. Nature versus nurture. So a lot of people say that, you know, we are born with a clean slate. Um, we, we are born
0: with some inherent traits. Genetics does play a part. It, it's strange. They've, they've done tests with babies. There was always an argument that, you know, we develop fears, for example, from our parents. That you know we we're frightened of things that our parents made us frightened with, so they did experiments, and there are certain things that we're actually born with an inherent fear of. Snakes is one of them. You, you show wow. you show a snake to a baby, and and it, it it tries to get away from it. So there is this genetic makeup within us. We are born with certain traits, but mm. generally speaking, the majority of them these are often just survival instinct traits. The majority mm. of our personality traits are created through our interactions with the the environment around us and the people around us.
1: Okay. So obviously, when we're looking at the people that our children hang out with, the kinds of groups that they're associating themselves with, all of these things are quite important as well for them.
0: They can be. They can be. But we have to be very careful, again, when we look at the groups of children that our children play with, that we're not putting our own... Uh, a bias onto it you know well I wouldn't hang around with those children so why is my child hanging around with those children the, yeah. the important thing to always remember is that you are not trying to develop a carbon copy of yourself when you raise a child uh, a child is their own person uh, they, they have their own values they have their own thoughts and their own emotions and the best parenting is to ensure that those grow in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of parents, when they send their children to school, even when they start year one, they already have these hopes, dreams and aspirations about what they want their child to be. I think that's even um, probably more true in the Asian culture, Mm. where You've got parents who think, you know, a family of doctors, so my child's going to be a doctor, my child's going to be an engineer or whatever. I think things are starting to open up now, but I still see to date um, that a lot of parents have these expectations from their children, even if you are going to get to an Ivy League university.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and it's not healthy. It's, it's, not, it's not good to put these expectations onto a small child. You can have them in your own mind, that's fine. But be careful on how you act on them. Um, Putting too much pressure onto a young child to be, uh, you know, at the age of six to go to an Ivy League university at the age of eighteen—it's it's it's a long development process for a small child.
1: Mm, mm. When we speak about children, Gareth, they see us every day at home, and um, they see how we are, and they see how we relate to one another, and. It may be common for the child to experience negativity in in conversations. They might even learn to accept that this is our home life. This is our way of life. It obviously doesn't make it right, Mm. but they know this is what happens at home. But sometimes as adults, we're not just being negative to our children at home. Sometimes we are quite mean in front of others. Mm. We humiliate them. We shame them. We may get the behavior that we need at that moment in time. So let's say we're in a restaurant and they're running around everywhere and we say something and we get them to sit down. But what we've done is we've just laid the groundwork for vengeance. We've just planted a seed of negativity in there. And how will that child ever trust us Mm -hmm. in the future if we keep doing this? I mean, would we always want to hang around with a friend that we know every second or third sentence will either taunt us or put us down. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, we need to avoid saying things like, if you don't stop peeing in your pants and I'm going to tell your teacher, or if you don't do your homework, I'm going to take a picture, I'm going to tell your teacher, I'll make you wear a diaper, are you a baby, grow up, mm. you know, those kinds of things. Yeah,
0: it's, it's the guilt versus shame method. Um, and no, neither of those are particularly uh, useful or effective when parenting and actually can be, as you mentioned, very damaging. Shame is most definitely the worst. Guilt guilt kind of is I did bad. Shame is I am bad. And that's kind of the mm. lasting impression that, that lasts on a child's mind. And and you know, I did bad, I did something bad, I I really, really disappointed my parents. Um it may get that that reaction that the parent wants, as you said, they may be in the restaurant and they may be quiet. Um but in the long term it fosters uh, an emotion of i don't do anything right and that then mm. can then trans over transfer over to the shame one which is i am bad shame is about a, a really negative feeling about you yourself and shaming a child uh, is making them believe that they they're not worth your love and you're right mm. what happens is that in the long run that trust between you and the child is is reduced uh, the child begins not to trust the parents. Eventually, they can they can stop opening up to parents about things. They definitely won't be honest with you or open. And then later when they do have problems that they need to speak to somebody about, as you said earlier, they go somewhere else. And that somewhere else is not always a positive place. Um, yeah. and, and therein lies part of the problem. And that can lead to far worse problems. Far better than, than than these these kind of really shaming and negative uh, ways of talking to the children is again to use positive ones. You know, um, mm. you know, a child's a child's messed up. Something's happened, and you rather than going, oh, I can't believe you did that. Just say, tell me what happened. You know, yeah. uh, if if a, a, a child is is throwing a tantrum. Find out why. What did you feel like when you were when you were there? What made you feel this way? But also take ownership of it yourself. How can I help as a parent to a child is really powerful. You know, I, I can see that you're having troubles. I can see that you're throwing tantrums. I can see you're upset. Uh, how can I help?
1: And I would really encourage parents to, to sort of take a note of this as well, that, look, we understand that sometimes we are busy. We understand that sometimes we've got important things to do. But if we just pause, get down to our child's level, meet them eye to eye and let them know that we care about them. And even if we can't solve their problem now, that we will get back to them in five minutes or 10 minutes and be reliable and definitely do that. I think we will be saving ourselves a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears down the line. Most Um, I think what a lot of parents feel like as if, you know, they need to sort of sort these things out. Well, they don't have the skills to be able to do so. How are children going to learn to be flexible? You know, I mean, think about it. If, of course, every child wants to win and every child wants to win a game and nobody likes the sight of losing a game. And what are we going to do there are two ways. We can either complain about them and say, well, you need to learn, pick yourself up, don't cry, all of that kind of stuff. Or we can try and sort of bandage it by giving them something or giving them a gift or whatever it is so that it takes away that feeling. But that doesn't teach them anything. It is not giving them the skills that they need for life. And if we don't invest our time in giving them those skills now, the problems are going to get bigger it's no more about losing a soccer game it'll be about much bigger things later
0: precisely and and that's a, it's a good it's a good example and uh, you know if, if a child is, is really upset by losing a a game for example like that or you know ch- children tend to to get upset when they lose something the best way is just to ask them, well, why. why do you feel this way? Why do you feel? Because often it will come down to something that is slightly different to what you think it is. Um, right. And getting to, to that is the important part. And if a child can right. express that, a child is very much on the way to being a very emotionally stable child.
1: Yeah. And, and just as an example, it might, not be, it might not be losing the game, but it might be the way someone may have taunted him or her after losing the game that they're more upset with exactly
0: i mean uh, within applied behavioral analysis we we have a thing called the abc of behavior the antecedent the behavior and the consequences what causes the behavior the behavior and then what happens after the behavior and this is kind mm. of what we're looking at here so i mean an example you're on you're on the phone um and uh, your your child a uh, small child starts screaming and crying all of a sudden uncontrollably you look at the child there's nothing wrong the child's not moving it's just been sitting there there's nothing wrong so Mm. you put your hand over the phone you go will you be quiet i'm on the phone now those Mm. are the behavior and the consequences the behavior is the child crying the consequence is you shouting at the child but what we've Mm. not considered is the antecedent what has caused that child to cry now Mm. on the example that we used Uh, The child has been sitting there very happily and all of a sudden a bee has come very close to her and has has flown past. And what she's done is she's looked to you for reassurance and comfort and that's come (laughs) through crying. Children act in a certain way because of things. And as you said at the beginning, it's not always what we expect the behavior, the call for, for help, the call for love, the call for caring, isn't always "I want a hug." It can be something very different. Now you've shouted at the child who was looking to you for some reassurance and some comfort. Now that child has been shouted at for looking for that. In the long term, she won't look for you for comfort anymore. Mm. The constant, uh, the the antecedent, the reaction to her behaviour. Uh, will cause a negative impact so we always have to think about why this behavior is taking place and in in applied behavioral analysis that is what we do we look at the the root cause of behavior not necessarily at the Mm. behavior itself what's causing it
1: now sometimes parents can still do this i I, and i know we're human and we can still snap (laughs) uh gareth (laughs) i do and i i I know this stuff and i
0: still snap at my daughter
1: Exactly. So nobody's coming here from, from the perspective of perfection. No. If you were, you know. <laughs> so if, if we still do snap, um, what do we need to do to sort of remedy the situation? Uh, just
0: like uh, if, if, I, if I berate my daughter, I will always explain to her why I have told her off. And if I mm. snap at her, then I will always go to her and say, sorry. Because yeah. it's not her fault that i'm tired and i've had a long day in school, and i've had a hundred people badgering me all day about the problems, etc that 's not her problem. all yeah. she wanted was some time from me and and mm. for me then to to snap at her about it is not fair and so I I, mm. I I do exactly the same. I go to her and I explain why, but i'm laying the blame on myself and not on her, and i'm making sure she understands that it wasn't her. Caused me to snap at her. It was me that caused me to snap at her. And uh, usually, yeah. at the end of that, she she will give me a big hug usually and say, "It's all right, Daddy. It's fine." And and that's really nice. And and the bond is reestablished again. That 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 bond between us is 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 strengthened once more.
1: Absolutely. And we're teaching our children through our process of seeking for forgiveness as well. We're teaching our children that process of empathy. We're teaching them how to ask for forgiveness when something goes wrong. Um, We're teaching them to understand humility. So I think it's really important that as parents, we do this, not just for ourselves, but to also show our children Mm. how good relationships work, how effective communication works. Because now more than ever, you know, relationships are breaking down even more in this day and age than they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a, little, it's a little scary, the type of world, the type of instant world that our children are growing up in and how stable and how solid are they going to be with their relationships. And a lot of that has got to do with the way we are responding to their problems now so that they understand how to respond problems to their own problems in the future
0: precisely and, and what you're explaining here is is what what you and i uh spoke about during the last amps teachers conference that that we were at mm. which are these these 21st century skills i don't particularly like that name they're human skills <laughs> these, these right. skills of, of empathy these skills of collaboration and cooperation that, that are so vital for, for children in the future, especially, as you say, in this, this world that is changing so quickly. And if we're not instilling these virtues in children at this age, they're not going to understand them later on and they're going to go out into the big wide, big wide world at, at 18 or, or 22 when they finish university, 22, 23, and they're not going to have mm. these skills that they need to survive in the future world.
1: It brings us nicely uh, to the next point, which is competition. When parents pin children against other children, Mm. um, especially when it says, well, look at, you know, John, look at George. He can do this. Why can't you? Um, And especially when it comes to siblings as well. Like, you know, why can't you be more like her? And competition is not healthy but at the same time it is so where do parents draw the line <laughs> well he- healthy competition is healthy
0: uh, but sadly not all competition yeah. is healthy um yeah you're right comparing a, a child against another sibling or family friend or family member uh is is not good it, it increases anxiety and stress in the child Parents, or children, sorry, want to please their parents. They are desperate to be seen as uh, being worthy of a parent's unconditional love and the unconditional love that the child gives back to the parents. And Hmm. if a child hears that, I don't want you to be you, I want you to be them, that unconditional love has become conditional, that's right and that then will create an immense amount of stress and anxiety in the child and it can force them into very confusing uh areas where they they try to be something or somebody that they're not um mm. that can it can foster resentment eventually against not only the parent but also the person they're being compared against and it might not be that person's fault and so again it it it's a really anything that starts with you are is in mm. my mind never going to end well even if it's mm. kind of, you're trying to come from a positive it's not going to end well um mm. because you are comparing you are placing an undue amount of pressure on a child by saying it so uh, mm. a much better way in this if if for example if if a, a child is still wetting the bed Um, and rather Mm. than saying your brother didn't wet the bed when he was five, focus Mm. more on, on when the child doesn't wet the bed, you know, things like, Mm. you know, you're getting really good at letting me know when you want to go to the toilet at night. That's really good. I'm really Mm. pleased about that. Well done. Uh, Mm. and that way the child knows that, yeah, great. The brother didn't wet the bed, but mum's not that upset with me and I'm doing well and it makes them want to try and please the parent. A child will always want to please the parent, give them the opportunity to do so rather than the negative aspect of it.
1: Um, And everybody wants acknowledgement, Gareth. I mean, as adults as well today, (laughs) if we are working, you know, uh, we want acknowledgement from our employers. We want as adults acknowledgement from our own parents so, of course, our children want to hear these things from us. They want to know how they're going right. Yeah. Um, and I, I completely agree with we, you we, there. We
0: live, in, we live in a like society. You know, we, we count mm. the amount of likes we get, and, and mm. uh, that, that does create its own problems. And another way is if, if a child is, is really bad at tidying up its toys, for example, and their sibling's really good, then... Get the older child to help the younger child and and guide them in tidying up the toys. John's John's really good at tidying up his toys. Can you please show Jane how you do it and, and, you know, help her? But bit by bit, let her do more and more as you go along. And eventually she learns. Praise Jane when she does it. Good work, Jane. you tidied your toys up. You can have your treat now. So that she, Mm. she learns from the sibling rather than is compared to the sibling.
1: So, you're looking at cooperation, cooperation rather again, than another competition. one of the skills,
0: precisely. And that yeah. works on both ways. So, that the child that is good at it is, is learning developmental skills, is learning cooperation skills, is also uh, getting a much closer interaction with their sibling. Because sibling rivalry in itself can be problematic. But if one is helping mm. the other, then that sibling bond is, is increased as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, Gareth, there's also an overuse of, uh, statements that come very easily to us. Like, don't do this mm. or don't do that. Or how many times have I told you? No, don't touch it. So when we need to look at guiding our children for long-term success, we need to look at expected behavior. I need you to be responsible. I need you to be patient. Um, I need you to be cooperative with your, with your sibling, for example, so can you sort of give us some examples of how we can sort of turn this language that we were speaking about from a negative um, to a positive? You, you've just done a very prime example of it, of a really good
0: one. I, you're taking ownership of it yourself. I need you mm. too. And that's really important. By saying that, that I'm expecting this from you, is really really vital and it's not putting a negative onus on the child it's saying we're going to do this together you know i need you Mm. to do this you're right Mm. no and don't are such negative words and they get logged into lodged into our subconscious and it begins to fill it with all of these negative reactions um Mm. and eventually (laughs) i mean if we're told no often enough we just stop asking um, That's a, a, true. A good example is again my my daughter and I say I I'm, I, I use my daughter because I want people to realise that I'm I'm not a perfect parent far from it yeah um I mm. have I've I have to check and change my behaviour regularly because I do all of these things and she always mm. she loves treats my daughter and every day around about four or five o'clock she'd always say daddy can I have a treat and I go no no mm. you can't mm. and then one day I, I she didn't ask anymore. But what mm. I realized was that she was actually just going and helping herself. She'd given up mm. asking me because I always said no and just <laughs> did it. And so I asked her, I said, why, why, why are you, you helping yourself to the treats? She says, well, you wouldn't let me have them. And I really wanted them. <laughs> and I said, but you know why I didn't want you to have them? And all of a sudden it dawned on me that I'd never told her why I didn't want That's her to right. have the yeah. treats. And
1: Absolutely. basically at
0: 6 o'clock she has her dinner. And so I explained to her, I said, look, the reason that that I don't want you to have a treat is because in an hour you're going to eat dinner. And if you have the treat, you're not going to want your dinner. But Mm. if you're a good girl and you eat all of your dinner, then you can have a treat afterwards. And Mm. she was absolutely delighted. So I can have a biscuit after my dinner. Yes, if you eat your dinner. And we used it as a reward for her doing what I wanted her to do. Now she doesn't ask that often for treats anymore and if she does, I explain to her the exact reason why. No, you're going to have for food soon, but you can have it afterwards as a reward. And, And she's much happier now and she doesn't help herself to treats anymore either, little monster. (laughs)
1: no I like that I uh, you know faced a similar situation with my six-year-old you know every time there's anything uh, fried especially when we're looking at eating food and you've got fried crackers and things like that he always wants some of that and he wants some sweets like any typical child would Um, and uh, one day you know he had a bad cough so then I took that as a teachable moment and taught him about moderation Mm. and what moderation actually means and that within our system, there is only so much of something we can have um, before the system isn't able to accept it anymore. Precisely. And we use several examples and things like that. And now, even though he still sometimes does get carried away, like your daughter, it's not like as if she's going to stop asking you. She will ask you before dinner sometimes as well. But it, they just need that reminder. Precisely. And I just you know tell I just say to him. I said, well, remember moderation. We want to keep ourselves <laughs> safe. We want to keep ourselves healthy. And if you'd like to have that at two o'clock, then you can't have this at 10 o'clock. So you make the choice. And I think giving them that choice, empowering them with the choice as well, that, OK, you're supposed to do this at 10 and 2, which one? Take your pick. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's where you learn your moderation as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Gareth, uh, it's, it's definitely been, look, a very interesting talk. I think a lot of parents need to understand, not not that they don't care, but how to care, because the way we communicate care with our children will have different implications on how they receive it um, and what they're going to think and how they're going to act and behave as they grow older. but one of the main things is you know like when you 're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down, you always are asked to put it on yourself first before you help the next person or your child so One of the first things I was going to read from the virtues card for caring, the first one at the end is show care for others, yourself and the earth. And I just want to focus on that yourself part. In your experience from from speaking to so many parents and the stresses that they may be going through, how do you help them take care of themselves so that they will then be better suited to be able to take care of children in a more positive environment? Um,
0: it, it sounds trite, but, but one of the most important things is to forgive yourself. You know, we, Mm. we, we are human and we make mistakes and we, we, we do things that we're not proud of. We, we snap at people, we shout, etc. The The biggest thing is to forgive yourself. Make sure that you Mm. don't let this stuff build up because you're going to make yourself ill as well. Um, Mm. and and it's really important that that self-forgiveness is vital Mm.
1: no I like that I think definitely if you if you learn to forgive yourself and you're in a space of you know peace and comfort it definitely puts you in an environment where you're able to pass that on or pass that feeling on if you like Mm. um, towards other people in your care your spouse your children Um, and I'd like to read the rest of the card as well It says, when you are practicing caring, you show care for others, yourself, and the earth. You look at people and listen closely. You handle things carefully. You are gentle with people and things that are placed in your care. You treat your body with respect. And you work with enthusiasm and excellence. So, Gareth, would you like to reflect on any of those statements above related to our entire conversation today? I know we covered a lot of stuff. But any of those things,
0: <laughs> I, I think. I think um, the, the the second one: look at people and listen closely. We we have mm. forgotten how to listen. We hear, but we don't mm. listen. And and sometimes mm. we need to pay close, close attention, not to the behavior, but what the behavior is telling us. What is the child mm. trying to say by acting this way? Listening doesn't just have to be with our ears. It's listening can yeah. be with our hearts, with our brains. And and to actually think what is the child trying to tell me by doing this? And the other one is is you know being gentle with the people uh, and and things that are placed in your care. By by snapping mm. and by treating our children negatively, if, if we realize the damage we do to our children at times we'd be Mm. heartbroken you know we we don't set out we love our children unconditionally we don't set out to hurt them to 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 humiliate them to embarrass them but sometimes our actions do this and, and we need to be a lot more mindful of how we we deal with our with our children
1: yeah no thank you gareth i think we need to be really Uh, intentional I think that's what I got from you as well the intention we need to be intentional in our relationship and uh, Gareth as we close there is an affirmation at the end of at the end Mm -hmm. of the caring card so feel free to repeat after me if you'd like as well yeah I care for others and myself I
0: care for others and myself
1: I pay loving attention
0: I pay loving
1: attention And I give my best to every job. I give my best to every job. So with this affirmation, I would like to thank you because you've given your best to this one as well, Gareth, for your generosity, your enthusiasm and service. Because every time I meet you, the passion with which you speak, the purposefulness with which you deliver, um, it always inspires me. And I'm very sure to all our listeners that even if they took one or two things from this particular podcast, that it will make a difference in the relationship between a parent and a child, and what difference would it make um, to humanity as they actually move forward and influence other people as well. So thank you very much, Gareth. Well, the
0: pleasure has been all mine. The pleasure has been all mine. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, if if people want to get in touch with me, they can find me on Instagram, sorry, on LinkedIn under Gareth Steed, um, on Instagram as Gareth Steed as well uh, you they should be able to find me on both so feel free to, to get in touch um, and if you want to, to connect with me
1: sure I'll put I'll put all this information down in the show notes on the episode description as well Gareth and um, for everybody else you can uh, look for more information on the family of virtues and other related topics I'm available on Twitter and Instagram as well on my handle Siddhartha. that's R-S-I-D-H-A-R-T-A or on our Facebook page family of virtues thank you everybody may god bless us all thank you